Welcome to this week's edition of Island Recast. For more information on Grand Memorial Presbyterian Church or Pastor David, please go to gmpc.org. Some people are troubled by the parts of the Bible that they can't understand. I'm troubled by the parts of the Bible that I do understand. It's been said that Mark Twain said that. Whether he did or he didn't, the sentiment is, is true. We, we, uh, we talk to people and they say, oh, there's so much of the Bible that does a mystery, things that we can't comprehend. And, uh, and, but so much of it is just very, very straightforward. And, and, uh, uh, and I love the story about uh, uh, W.C. Fields. Uh, caught one day backstage reading a Bible, and somebody said, didn't know you were a religious man, W.C., and he said, I'm looking for loopholes. <laughs> and isn't that what we do? We look for the exceptions. We look for ways to kind of skirt around the difficult parts when what God calls us to do and be as followers of Jesus is very, very clear. Yes, there are some deep, deep mysteries of faith. Some things that we will never understand this side of eternity. But we cannot allow the things that we do not understand to keep us from doing what we clearly understand. The prime example of that was last week as we looked at Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 21 a very clear, concise statement of who we are to be as followers of Jesus. I may or may not have printed those verses on cards that one could use as a bookmark or just to tape on a wall uh, in the bathroom or on the refrigerator. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor others above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving God. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and curse not. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay evil, anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. A reprise of last week's sermon. Simple steps to what it means to be a Christian. There is nothing in here that we cannot do. Are there things in here that we do not want to do? That's another question. Looking for exceptions. Looking for ways to sidestep. Because, you know, there's so much of the Bible that we don't understand. So when we come to something that is so blaringly clear, maybe there's a hidden message in there. Maybe there's something that we need to kind of weed through. Maybe there's an exception. Because I really don't want to bless somebody that curses me. I want to see 
people get their just due. I don't want justice at all. I want mercy. If you have your Bibles, I would invite you to open them to the 13th chapter of the book of Romans. Now, if we had Bibles in the pew, they would be on page uh, 804, but we don't have Bibles in the pew. Someday, maybe, but not now. Remember, chapters 1 through 11, Paul has given us the why. He's given us some heavy-duty doctrine, some theology. He's unpacking what it means for us to live in community with people who come from different backgrounds. He's teaching us about the importance of grace and God's declaration that we are righteous, not because of anything that we have done, but solely because of what Jesus has done. And through what Jesus has done, we have peace with God. And there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God that is ours in Christ Jesus. We read all that in chapters 1 through 11. And then we get to chapter 12. It's a tipping point. Now we get the the what, the so what. How do we apply these deep theological truths in our lives? And I just read for you a powerful section that could not be more clear if he tried. And then we move on to the 13th chapter. And we read this. Everyone must submit him or herself to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, he who rebels against authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror to those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right, and he will commend you. For he is God's servant to do you good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword for nothing. He is God's servant, the agent of wrath, to bring punishment on the wrongdoers. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also because of conscience. This is also why you pay taxes, for the, gov- for the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give to everyone what you owe. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. Pretty clear. As we approach this passage, though, everybody's looking for the exceptions, What about the exceptions? I mean, Paul wrote this in the first century. Did he have any idea what was going to come? Well, you know what? The Romans were not exactly great landlords. And there was a lot of strife within the Jewish community. Remember, in 47 AD, all the Jews got kicked out of Rome. Why? Because they were so contentious. Now they were back. 
And Paul is speaking to the Christian community that exists, both Gentile background believers and Jewish background believers. How do we get along? How do we move forward? What is, God's, what is God doing? And, and, and ultimately, Paul himself would appeal to the Roman authority. Now, ultimately, Paul himself would die at the hands of the Roman authority. Did he know all of that? It's not so much what Paul did or didn't know, so much as it is what God does or doesn't know. God cannot be surprised. Well, you know, we're looking at this, and, and, and as, as we study the Bible, I mean, what, everyone must submit himself to governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established, period. What that tells me is that every governing authority is established by God from the beginning of time until the end of time. Now, some people would look at that and say, well, that is a stupid and foolish statement for anybody to make because there is no way that somebody in the first century had any idea that an Adolf Hitler would ever come to power, let alone a Stalin or a Pol Pot or a Mao Zedong. And you could add any number of names to that list. How are we to submit to corrupt and godless governments? Is it possible that God has a plan that so far outstrips anything that we can possibly imagine that he is able to use even devastating things like historical figures to move his agenda forward? The authorities that exist have been established by God. Two things that we draw from this right away, two things that are very, very clear. We are told to submit to the government. We are told as Christians to be good Christians, we must also be good citizens. And we are to be good citizens until the state changes so radically that to be a good citizen would prevent us from being a good Christian. But let's just set that aside for a minute and recognize that first and foremost, we are called in Scripture to be law-abiding citizens. We are told in Scripture that our current government is established by God. Whatever happens after November 3rd will also be established by God. There's an interesting uh, uh, story as uh, in the early days of the church, they're trying to get the disciples. Uh, and and do, we see, do we see exceptions? Yes. Peter and James... They were, they were beat and they were told not to preach in the name of Jesus anymore. And what did they do? They said, well, you know, whether it's right in your eyes or in the eyes of God, well, let, I'll let you make that decision. But, uh, but we're going to go and we're going we're we're to proclaim Jesus. And both of them would end up losing their lives because of their disobedience to the authorities of the day. As members of the society... Our first call is to allegiance to the government, recognizing that they are there by God's good favor. And as we look at the society in which we live, I think there are three areas that we need to be cognitively aware of as we engage in conversation with other people who may or may not agree with what we say. 
there are blessings. There are, there, there are blessings that we have that we need to, that we need to be thankful for. When, when, when I got up in the morning, first thing I did was make a cup of tea. I, I put water in the tea kettle and I flipped on the switch. And guess what? There was electricity to power that teapot. We flip on the light switches and we have lights. If we had an emergency, we could dial 911 and Coronado's finest would show up. The year before I got here, they were repainting the church and the painters were using heat guns to strip old paint off of the tower. And they left the guns plugged in and on when they went to lunch. And guess what happened? The tower caught on fire. This, yes, our bell tower caught on fire. There were people across the street eating lunch. They called the fire department. The fire department was here in minutes. The fire was put out. The church sanctuary was saved. We have roads that, for the most part, are pretty well maintained. There is an order in life that we cannot take for granted. Look at what's going on in Beirut today. I read an article this morning. I was devastated, brokenhearted by what's going on in that part of the world. Oh, we have benefits to this society. And we pay for them through our taxes and through our lawfulness. We also have responsibilities. Not only are there benefits, but we have responsibilities to build the society. Do you know how long it takes to destroy something? <laughs> if you have kids, if you've, if you've ever had kids, one of the things that uh, I think almost every kid has at some point are some, some kind of building blocks. And, uh, I, and I built stuff with my kids out of blocks or out of Legos. And, uh, uh, and, and then <laughs> they like to knock it down. You know, you could spend hours building something and in seconds tear it down. And what happens next? Hours. Sometimes days, weeks, months, years to rebuild what can be destroyed in an instant. I hear people talking about rights all the time. I rarely hear people protesting about responsibilities. We have responsibilities to safeguard the blessings that we have. And when it comes to rights, do we have rights? Absolutely, we have rights. We have a Bill of Rights. We have 27 amendments to our Constitution because the constitutional framers recognized that they would have blind spots. And so they created a government that could be self-correcting. And we have a right to self-correct the government, but within the framework of that government. Everybody is anxious about what's going to happen on November 4th. I hear words like civil war. I hear words like revolution. It was the words of Thomas Jefferson 
Thomas Jefferson said, the tree of liberty must be refreshed from time to time by the blood of patriots and tyrants. It is its natural manure. I grieve for what I see happening. And as I listen to brothers and sisters in Christ talk about what's going to happen. And we come to this passage and we're saying, where are the exceptions? When can we not submit ourselves to the local governing authorities? What are the examples that we have in Scripture? Are there examples in Scripture of people who have exercised civil disobedience? Absolutely. Absolutely. You don't need to go very far into the New Testament until you come to the uh, uh, Hebrew women who defied Pharaoh's order and let the male children live. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Three young Jewish men who found themselves in Babylon required to bow down, and they said, no, we're going to throw you into the fiery furnace. You know what? Knock your socks off. Our God is able, should he decide to save us even from the fiery furnace, but that doesn't matter. Even if he doesn't, we will not bow down to you. And so they got thrown in the fiery furnace. You know the story. God did protect them. Somebody was in there with them. There was a fourth person in there. Some people would say that was uh, probably Jesus. Daniel himself. Read the book of Esther. What about Mordecai? Mordecai refused to bend the knee to Haman. And he went to his niece and said, you've got to go to the king. She says, if I go to the king uninvited, I could be toast. And he says, yep, yep, that's true. But maybe it was for just such a time as this. So we do have these little pockets of civil disobedience that we see in Scripture. Where does that lead us? as Christians in this day and age. First and foremost, I think we do everything within our power to be good citizens, and that includes praying for the leadership of this nation. How have we got to this point? I think that too many of us are just too comfortable in our own lifestyles, and as long as I can get up in the morning and put my slippers on, have a piece of toast, get gas for my car, electricity for my home, and groceries in the grocery store to feed myself, I'm happy. I'm not going to worry about anything else. It'll all take care of itself. It doesn't happen that way. How many Christians don't even bother to vote? Well, we'll just stand by and let other people do it. My vote really doesn't matter. Oh, yes, it does. It matters in local elections. It matters in state elections. It matters in national elections. Your vote is your voice. If you are not voting, then I don't want to talk to you. We must be responsible citizens if we are going to enjoy the benefits of our nation and secure the rights that we have 
to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. You can't just abdicate that to somebody else to be good citizens until being a good citizen prevents us from being a good Christian, a faithful follower of Jesus Christ. And I would be the first one to agree that what we are seeing right now is some government overreach, especially with regard to how this whole COVID thing is being handled. And there are people out there, I know, and I know that this is a controversial and, and, and divisive point because there are people out there that say, it's all about the science, it's all about the science, and until there's a vaccine, I'm staying home. God bless you. But there are also people on the other side saying, it's all about the science, it's all about the science, it's all about the science. And this is a respiratory disease, and if you wash your hands and keep your hands out of your mouth, your nose, your eyes, and your ears, you're not going to catch this virus. That the government should shut down churches or restrict our access is an infringement upon our constitutional rights. These are not laws that are being passed. These are edicts that are being, that are being declared by, by, uh, by, by demagogues that, that are overreaching their authority. And I, I, and I see and I understand both parts. I tend not to be fearful. But also, I'm not going to be foolish. Uh, I, I wear a mask. Well, I carry a mask with me when I'm in public. And when I come within six feet of somebody, I put it on out of respect for the other person. I'm, I'm, I, I, I'm, I, am, I a, am I a silent carrier? I don't know. I don't cough or spit on people. I don't, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, I'm, uh, and, I'm, and I take a step. I, I mean, I'm using common sense. I'm using some common sense. But physicians in our own congregation have told me that we left science long ago. So what's going on? Uh, and, 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 I, and I said to somebody else it's, it, that, that uh, what, why, why, why can I go to Walmart but I can't go to church? I said, well, at Walmart you don't sit down with, with, a, with a handful of friends uh, for an hour and, 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 and visit and sing and, and do all the stuff that we do here. Because the other things that are closed are movie theaters. The, the other things that have, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a football fan. You, you know that. I'm watching, I'm watching football, and <laughs> the stands are empty. But they have artificial noise to simulate the crowd. So, the, I, 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 <laughs> okay, all right, you know, okay, I, I get it. I mean, there's even, you know, I, it just cracks me up. But the stands are empty. Why? For the same reason that the concert venues have been shut down, for the same reasons that the theaters have been shut down, for the same reasons that the churches have been limited in the numbers of people that can come and worship. Okay, all right. All right, I get it. I don't like it, but I get it. But being a Christian is about more than going to a service on a Sunday morning. And trust me, I want this sanctuary to be filled once again. I long for my choir, for Kimberly's choir, to be up here singing holy, holy, holy and, and, and getting to that last verse and, and hearing that descant. Uh, 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 I just, 
You know, that just, just sends chills down my, down my spine when I, when, I, when I hear that. I long for things to return to some semblance of, of normalcy, whatever that might be. But I also want to be very, very careful and be very, very respectful. Will the day come when we need to engage in civil disobedience? It could very well. And I know that some people think it's already here. We need to be driven by our own conscience. That conscience must be held captive to the Word of God. And at this point, at this point in my life, I'm pretty convinced about two things. That number one, any civil disobedience that I engage in will be nonviolent. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay. Do not repay evil for evil. At this point, if I'm going to engage in civil disobedience, it will be nonviolent. And the other thing, if I engage in civil disobedience, I will accept the consequences for my actions according to the law. If I am arrested, I will be arrested. You want to throw me in jail for my civil disobedience? Throw me in jail. You want to find me? Find me. I will accept the consequences for my nonviolent civil disobedience. What I will not engage in is anarchy. And anarchy exists when people decide that I'm going to choose these laws to obey and I'm going to thwart these laws and I'm going to dare you to do anything about it. That is not honoring to God in any way, shape, or form. Some people are troubled by the parts of the Bible that they don't understand. It's the parts of the Bible that I understand that sometimes trouble me. But where Scripture is clear and focused, we want to be very sure it's not about being on the right side versus the wrong side. It's about making sure that we are on God's side. Because as we are on God's side, as we are faithful, as we allow God to work through our lives, doing the things that we know we must, like loving each other, caring for each other, blessing those who curse us, trusting that God will repay in God's time, not mine. That's the witness that the world needs to see today. A living, active, vibrant faith motivated by a sincere love that seeks to honor others above ourselves. That, my friends, is Kingdom Living. Thank you for listening to Island Recast. For more information, please go to gmpc.org. More and more people asking me, Pastor, do you think these are the end times? You know what Jesus said? I don't even know that answer. So if Jesus doesn't know the answer, I'm not going to hazard a guess. But there are those who think that the end times are going to coincide with the end of the United States of America. Well, I don't believe that either. What I do believe is that God has a plan. 
And what I do understand is that in that plan, God calls us to be faithful followers of Jesus Christ. Where you go, I will go. Whom you love, I will love. How you serve, I will serve. If in doubt, go back to chapter 12, review the entire chapter, 1 through 21, and then pray. Pray for our nation. Pray for our leaders. And pray for the world. And then get in there and get your hands dirty. And serve the Lord with all your heart. Sacrificing and serving others for his glory and his honor. Make a difference. It's not how much time we have. It's what we do with the time we have. Let us use it wisely for the glory of God.